0: Protected, there's no place I'd ever rather be one more time. Oh, now just falling in love with. a bit
1: here and let's sing that song He's Changing Me B flat
0: From glory to glory He's changing me He's changing me Oh changing me His likeness and image to perfect in Him The love of God shown to the world yeah. Hey. image to perfect Let me, the love of God shown to the world, for He's changing, changing me, from earthly things to the heavenly, His likeness and image to perfect Let me, the love of God shown to the Likeness and image too perfect in me, the love of God shown to the world. For He's changed. This has a table spread where the saints of God are fed. He invites his chosen people come and dine. With his manna he doth feed and supplies our every need. Or oh, twist sweet to sup with Jesus all the time. So come and dine, the Master calleth, come and dine. And you may be steadfast. Stable all the time, and he who fed the multitude turned the water into wine to the hungry, calleth now, Come and die. The disciples came to land, thus obeying Christ's command, for the master called to them, Oh, come and die. There they found their heart's desire Bread and fish upon the fire Thus He satisfies the hungry every time So come and dine, the Master called it Come and dine And you may feast at Jesus' table all the time And He who fed the multitude Turned the water into wine to the hungry calleth now, O oh, come and die. And soon the Lamb will take His bride To be ever at His side All the hosts of heaven will assemble be And oh, will be a glorious sight All the saints in spotless white And with Jesus they will feast eternally so come and dine, the master call it, come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. And he who fed the multitude turned the water into wine. To the hungry call it now, oh, come and dine. And soon the lamb will take his bride to be ever at his side. All the hosts of heaven will assemble symbol be. It will be a glorious sight, all the saints and spotless white, and with Jesus they will peace eternally. So come and dine, the master calleth come and dine, and you may be at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude Turn the water into wine To the hungry calleth now Oh, come and dine Oh, come and dine The master calleth Come and dine You may feast at Jesus' table All the time He who fed the multitude Turn the water into wine To the hungry calleth now Oh, come and dine And he who fed the multitude turned the water into wine. To the hungry calleth now come and die. Amen.
1: We'll go ahead and change the order of our service now. And we'll go ahead and sing that song, um, Only Believe, uh, right before we take our prayer request to the Lord. And if I could have uh, Brother Chris come and pray for these after I finish reading them. But uh, we'll just sing this here real quick before we go forth. Only believe only To play that softly If you would just remain standing We only have a few prayer requests We just want to remember uh, Sister Danielle Swafford, Who is not with us We also just want to uh, Continue to remember Brother Andy Irish's father And uh, the Lord would just be with him And we just want to remember uh, The Sylvesters Who are away Visiting family uh, So if we could just remember them Also brother Johnny Reynolds Is traveling as well In Colorado So if we could just remember Them in prayer Uh, Just uh, continue to remember Brother John Cockman, that the Lord would be with him and touch him. And uh, also, if you would just continue to remember my grandparents, uh, the shepherds, that the Lord would just uh, move on their behalf and continue to touch my grandmother. And uh, I also have here that uh, Brother David Cockman's father is going for a pacemaker in the morning. So if we could uh, just pray for them, they're requesting prayer. And uh, any unspoken prayer requests by the lifting of our hands, I know we all have them. So, Brother Chris, if you would just come at this time.
2: And just ask you to also remember Acacia and Anthony in prayer, they're home not feeling well. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this opportunity that we had to come to your house. We certainly count it a privilege, Lord. Father, we've sung songs of worship and praise, and Lord, we've heard these requests that have been brought before the people. Lord, we just ask that you would be with those that are traveling, be with those that need a healer, Lord. Lord, we've heard reports of those in some of the churches in the south that are sick. Lord, just ask that you would move on their behalf and be a healer, Lord. And Lord, we just ask that you would come down and walk amongst us this evening, be with the minister speak to our hearts lord help us to know you more tonight that in knowing you that we would love you and loving you we would serve you lord we thank you we praise you in jesus name amen
1: amen you may have your seats Just also remember, I forgot to mention this, but uh, just remember my uncle, uh, Brian, who is away traveling as well, working and going to Michigan. So if you could just remember him. Um, Let's sing that song just as... We'll take a few minutes here before Brother Barry comes and just sing a couple songs. Uh, Let's sing Have Faith
0: in God. Have faith in God.
1: We'll just sing that again as our ushers come forward this time and we'll take up the tithes and offering
0: So for I've anchored my soul
1: this evening. Let's put it in E-flat and let's sing that song Turn Your Eyes.
0: Oh, just turn your eyes upon
3: If you don't mind, Sister Tracy Rabin had an accident where she landed on her wrist, drove bones out of place, and uh, has a big sling. She did it on the Creeper Trail up in Virginia. She's still up there, and she asked me if we would remember her in prayer. She's just really going through it. We want to remember Brother Ron Spencer uh, in prayer. We also would like to remember. Brother uh, Troy and Sister Connie are not here uh, tonight, but I want to read you what Sister Connie asked me to read tonight to you. Brother uh, Troy came up for prayer on Sunday because he's very concerned about the uh, heart tests that he's gone through, and he has an enlarged heart, uh, and it's a rare, kind of a rare condition and they did a bunch of tests on him and so forth, and he was very concerned about that. This is the report. The doctor at Duke told him his heart didn't look any worse than it did 11 years ago when he had seen him the first time. He said the doctor must have done the ultrasound when his heart was beating fast or nervous. He said our hearts beat fast sometimes and then then, uh, sometimes faster than other times. And he ran some tests. He said, but we didn't didn't know the results. We don't know the results of those tests uh, yet. But he said, "For uh, what, he, what essentially what he's trying to do is figure out if that's a genetic thing or if that's, in, you know, other people in the family have had it. As for now, he told him to do what he's been doing now, just not lift real heavy uh, things. He said, praise God, no surgery, no added medication. God still answers prayers, and we thank everybody for praying. God bless you all. Amen. Brother Joe told me tonight he's feeling better, and uh, we want to thank God for that, Brother Joe, and appreciate the details. Brother Joe's been going through some uh, difficult season, and we just uh, thank God for touching Brother Joe this week. Brother Keith's got quite a testimony, too, uh, too long for us to do tonight here on Wednesday night, but we want to highlight how God has touched Brother Keith and uh, done really well. God, God answers prayer. And a lot of times I think it's really important that we mention that because it gives us confidence when we go to pray for new needs that we have. There will always be needs. But let me tell you, we always have Him to turn to. That's what's most important. So as we bow our heads tonight in prayer and we look to Him before we open the Word, you bring your need before Him now and believe that He hears you. Don't think that you're inconsequential. Don't think that your need doesn't matter. It does. Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer tonight. Believing, Lord Jesus, that you love the gatherings of your people. You love it, Lord, when we come together in faith, believing that you're going to meet with us. Hoping, Lord, that no one has come to hear from me, but, Lord, that we have come aside from the busyness of life just to get a little something from you, just a word, a blessing. Lord, as you pass by, just touch us, Lord, I pray. There are many needs, Lord, among us, and there always will be. But, Lord, we believe tonight, based on some of these testimonies that have been given to us Lord that you're a God who hears our prayers and Lord the anguish of our of our hearts and the cry Lord that sometimes never gets sounded out but is very real to us in the name of Jesus Christ we commit each and every one into your hands now and ask Lord God that you would just move on each soul Lord bring healing to those who need it we thank of sister Tracy tonight Lord and ask that you would be merciful to her and just continue Lord to touch her and give her strength And, Lord, there are many others, as Brother Mitchell mentioned tonight on the prayer request list. and We bind our our prayers together, our faith together, Lord, and just present every need before you. We don't believe, Lord, it depends on how loud we pray. We don't believe, Lord, how long we pray. We believe, Lord, it's somehow supernaturally, it's faith that touches you, faith that moves you. And, Lord, we believe that you are and that you are a rewarder of them that diligently seek you. Lord, have your way, we pray tonight. In Jesus' name and for your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter 13. Let's take a look uh, there tonight. Sunday, just a reminder, we are doing a... um, Regular morning service, and at 4 o'clock, we're going to do communion foot washing as normal. We're going to have a snack after that, but 4 o'clock, not 5, but 4, we're going to have our communion foot washing. All are welcome. It won't be recorded, so if you're listening tonight, it won't be recorded, uh, for the communion part, and uh, we will have a little fellowship time after that uh, on Sunday evening. Shalom in the home, I'd like to title this tonight, A Wounded Spirit, Proverbs chapter 13, hope deferred, make it the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. May God at his blessing, you may be seated tonight. I was telling somebody tonight, brother Jeremy, I believe, when he came in that um, i'm not sure whether we got brother Johnny Reynolds he's gone out to Colorado. We mentioned that tonight, and Brother David, I just got word that your dad's up tomorrow for a procedure, a pacemaker, and um, we want you to know we'll be praying for him and for your mom, all the family uh, very often that seems like a daunting thing, uh but I know that. Uh, These days, that's one of the things that is a good example of thanking God for the technologies that exist today because pacemakers very often do a wonderful thing uh, for somebody who has low low blood pressure especially. And uh, so we'll be uh, looking for a good report and just praying that the peace of God and the assurance of God uh, will accompany him and all of the family. And may God bless you. (coughs) Brother... uh, John Cockman as well, uh, and I, I'm not sure whether that was mentioned tonight or not. Uh, it was, and they have a need in their family as well. I really intended. I was telling Jeremy tonight before it came out that I really had intended to kind of, you know, slide out of this little series at 15, because that was a milestone in itself. And then as I began to, you know, just, um, you know, you kind of get in that neutral mode. Um, there's a couple of things that came roaring back to me. And I I just trust and pray that uh, we can say some of these things in a way that is helpful for you. And I'm going to try to be really focused uh, here and and deal with this as clearly as I can. And It seems like, it feels like that... um, you know you have all good intentions of making all of this happen within forty five minutes but if if it doesn't we'll we'll just carry on so uh we'll just wade into it I want to say this too that in in uh, one of the things that is a challenge for a minister today, especially somebody like myself i just I'm, I'm the kind of personality where i i uh, I'm never bored I'm never uh looking for something to do my personality is such that as I told you before, I almost quit school in grade two because they took recess and I thought, what a waste of time. And so I, I'm, I, I'm always active. You know, it's just that I'm a Gemini. I do the work of two and, and sorry, but that's the way God made me. But I want you to know something, and I, I probably don't need to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, that you people here are my first priority when it comes to ministry. You people are my first priority. Vision books is not my first priority. The winter youth retreat is not my first priority. Uh, traveling is not my first priority. The mission field is not my priority. While those things are functions that I perform and feel like God leads me to do things in those areas, that's not my primary job. My primary job is this. And I will tell you I love this. I love, if I lost everything else and I could still do this, I would love this. Uh, because uh, that's the thing that God's called me to do. So don't ever think that uh, the church is just a uh, a conduit for other activities for me. It isn't at all. This is my primary focus, and this is the thing that uh, I think really matters in the end, because we're simple enough to believe that uh, rapturing faith laid on those tapes. And as long as you preach the message of the hour... Trusting that the Lord will take the word and quicken the word. It will do what it's supposed to do in the hearts of believers and get us all ready to get out of here. And so that's what it's about. Many times, you know, I, I talk about other things that are going on in the world, talk about other things that are taking place. Uh, but I will tell you that, you know, my heart's, my heart's cry uh, to God first when I pray is for you folks and about you folks and looking to make sure that we Uh, are always lined up with what God would have for you. I don't often go to your houses, and I don't, you know, sit down. We don't get much time to chat personally and chat up, you know, uh, how things are. And Brother Ram said in one way that's good for a minister. He said because then you don't know, and you're avoiding things because you know that, well, you know, I mean, if Mitchell's thinking about going to get a tattoo, I better not say anything about tattoos because then he'll know I'm talking about him getting a tattoo, and, uh, you know which we know is not true. <laughs> but as an example, Brother Random said, you know, you can intertwine yourself too much even in the, in the lives of the congregation uh, that you have. So in a sense, it's, you know, the aloofness, the, the, not, not being aloof, but uh, the distance that we have sometimes between ourselves allows for an effective kind of ministry uh, in, from a neutral perspective. And A lot of times you just innocently uh, will say things because you're led to say them. And uh, not trying. I never counsel from the pulpit. I never have. I never do because it's totally ineffective, and uh, it is uh, rather uh, the best strategy I think uh, to lift Christ up, because when I be lifted up, I'll draw men unto me. And, and that's, a, that's a really important uh, principle, I think, to observe. So I said all that to say this, that I, I, I enjoy being here. I enjoy Wednesday nights. I enjoy being here ministering to you. It matters not to me whether there's 10 or 1,000. It really does not. Uh, I just I feel very comfortable uh, doing what I'm doing. And I, I just want to underscore and reiterate the fact that you folks are uh, a priority uh, for me. Uh, I forgot to mention uh, just at the beginning there that the winter youth retreat registration will open up. After having said that, uh, the retreat uh, registration is opening up on Saturday, uh, uh, and I will send I will send you a, um, a, a notice here because I got a couple of things that I wanted to send out, but uh, it'll be around noon on uh, Saturday. There's no pre-registration. There's no um, there's no uh, block reservations for HBT, so everybody's at the mercy, unless you slip or the Keitha. Uh, he, he can be bought, I think. So you can. No, I'm only kidding. But it's it'll it'll be open for the first 140 people, and that's not many uh, for the retreat. So you may want to keep that in mind. <clears throat> a wounded spirit. Now this is a. A subject that uh, may not always, uh, in a sense, be a pleasant kind of a thing to talk about, but it is something that I think every one of us would probably relate to. And if you have not had the opportunity, uh, the experience of having some sort of a, uh, you know, an incident happen in your life and in your Christian walk, um, you probably will, because every one of us go through uh, misunderstandings. We go through Clashes we go through times of uncertainty, we go through times when people rub against one another and it doesn 't always come out right or come out easy and uh, especially in, in churches and especially where groups are assembled like ours uh, not and not only ours but where you have more than two or three people, uh, things can happen, and misunderstandings can happen so there is actually a lot that 's devoted in scripture to this, and so uh, this is something that I wanted to uh, uh, come into just so we could help, we could help you understand what this, what this phrase actually means, a wounded spirit. And then we can look at some examples and causes of this and then a remedy. And the remedy to me was an unusual thing. The way that uh, the Lord opened it up to me is it's kind of an unusual thing which we will get to. <clears throat> you should, if you understand already what a wounded spirit is and if you understand by experience what it is, that uh, you've been offended or been hurt and been, uh, you know, maybe criticized or something else by somebody and you know exactly what it is. And you should, uh, in your seat, you should make a prayer tonight, all of you that, uh, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we are talking about this particular issue here because I don't want to live with this forever. And I don't want it to hinder me to the point where I can't move on with you. I don't want to let it fester to become a root of bitterness. I want to move on and I don't want to let it... Uh, stay here so that I become bound by it. I believe that God uh, will never fuss at you because you experience a wound in your Christian walk. Uh, let, me, let me say it this way. Let me give you an example here. If my kids were, uh, if my kids were uh, outside on the, in the roadway playing or out in the front yard playing, and uh, I looked at the checklist that I had given them of their chores. And uh, I see that most of their chore list has not been checked off. The boxes have not been checked. And uh, here they are out playing. And I look at that, and, you know, I think, wow, you know, here they are. Uh, they've blown it. They're out there playing and wasting time. And here I'm stuck here, and I'm doing this. I'm looking at their chore list, and it's not done. I will tell you that if they screamed out, if the neighborhood bully came by or some car hit its brakes and there was a scream, you'd do whatever you could to get to your kids. You'd go through the door if the door was locked because there's something about the cry or the the cry of a child that causes a parent to react. I will tell you this, that you should not let the devil steal the thought that God will not help you because you're not perfect. I said you should... Stop believing the lie that Satan will tell you that God's not going to come to your aid or listen to your prayer because you're not perfect and you haven't checked off all the boxes. He loves you to death. And all of us can experience bad things in life. And all of us can mess up. All of us can feel like, well, you know what, I never got my boxes checked and I never did everything just right according to the word. And Satan will make you feel like, well, you know what, God's not going to listen to you. God's not going to hear your prayer because you've blown it, you've you've made a mess you're not even fit to go to communion, foot washing and you've got this and this and he's quick to remind us of all the things that are not done on that list but I will tell you something when a saint of God gets down their knees and they begin to pray we have a heavenly father who will get to us faster than anybody else because he loves you and he doesn't respond to you because you get everything right he doesn't respond to you because you're 100% perfect he doesn't do that at all Matter of fact, he, he doesn't. Uh, I believe when the situations arise, uh, I believe that doesn't enter into the picture. I believe that he comes to you because he loves you, and I thank God that he always will. Do you believe that tonight? Amen. Now, don't throw that back in the face of God, and don't say, Well, you know what, I can abuse the grace and I can uh, take advantage of this and that, because God knows your heart. But all of us being human beings, they, uh, you know, we, we all experience. Um, you know, times where it doesn't always come together and things happen to us and things happen around us that we always don't have control of. But you remember this, that uh, I believe the scripture tells us that that he's attentive to the cry of his people, of his of His saints. Now, uh, we find that, uh, you know, despite the fact that uh, we make mistakes and, and as I said, we have flaws within us and all of us would say that you know, there are things about us that if we could change, we would. If there are things we could make stronger, we would. If there are things we could heal about us, we would. If there are things that we could uh, take out of our personality, things that even bother you, uh, we probably would. But you've got to remember this, that those things are there because of the fall. You were created in the image of God. You were created for a purpose to be here, and to be here as a Gentile, and to be here at the last age, uh, to be a part of the bride that's going to, I believe, leave the earth without death. And so therefore, uh, you know, God uh, in his choosing, uh, he made a specific allocation for each member of his bride in terms of geography, and in terms of time, uh, in terms of personality, and in terms of family, even in terms of ministry. I believe God determined that. I don't believe it's a, uh, you know, a fluke that uh, the Nengamasas are here. Happy birthday, Sister Trish. I don't believe that uh, it, it is a fluke that they're here, and I don't believe it's a fluke that you're here. I believe you're here by design. I believe that God's intentional in what He does, and He doesn't just throw it out there and hope that it works. He's intentional, and you had to remember that God made you to, uh, to, to. Uh, Be a a child of God in the image of God here on the earth as long as you're here. And even though we live in a fallen body in a fallen world, sometimes you know uh, we live in a a a world that's falling apart, and sometimes it feels like it's falling in on you, and uh, nothing seems to go right. Sometimes we put our hand, whatever we put our hand to, it doesn't seem to uh, be working out right. God allows a lot of those things to happen because He's teaching us and training us. Would you agree? But I want you to keep a couple of promises in mind here. Psalm 147, David said, Praise ye, the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God. For it is pleasant, and praise is comely. Praise is a a welcomed thing. It's a beautiful thing. And the Lord uh, doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth the outcasts of Israel. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Say that verse 3 with me. He healeth the broken in heart, and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars, and he calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord, and of great power, and his understanding is infinite. I'm glad that's the kind of God that we serve, that his understanding is infinite. His understanding is not limited, right? When you have two kids and one of them will come and tell you, hey, Johnny, hit me, and you know, you rea- you, you're going to go and react on that, your understanding is pretty limited about what really happened, because most likely your brother really knows how to get you in trouble, right? But God's understanding is infinite. In other words, he sees the end from the beginning, and he knows exactly what uh, what uh, does take place, and he knows exactly how to deal with it and how to give the answer so our our job in this part of the service here, our job is just to really just sit there and say amen because uh, these are promises about God to you. And uh, I will tell you there's a whole lot of things about your life that you really can't change. I will tell you that there's a lot of things about you that many people don't know nor will ever understand. There are things about you that even you don't understand because you're a pretty complex person. You're a pretty complex person. You've got a lot of things that are going on, and guess what? It's always changing. Who you are and what you are is always changing. And so therefore we really we really depend on our maker because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We we really need to depend on our maker in order to make sense out of anything. Jeremiah chapter 30, therefore, all they that devour thee shall be devoured, and all thine adversaries, every one of them shall go into captivity, and they that spoil thee shall be a spoil, and all that prey upon thee will I give for a prey. This is the Jeremiah talking to the people that are going into captivity, or, uh, with, going into Babylon. For I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. God. How many believe that God's a restorer? He's a, he's a healer of our wounds. He will restore health unto thee because they call thee an outcast saying, this is Zion where no man seeketh after. So here's God acting on the fact that people are criticizing Israel and say, hey, nobody would go to Israel. Nobody would go and serve that God. Nobody would be among the people of Zion here. And uh, God says, hey, because they said that, I'm going to make these people a prey for the enemy. So don't you worry about them. I'll take care of them. And I will restore health unto thee. Now these are people who have disobeyed, and they're the children of parents who have disobeyed for several generations. And judgment has come. But God sends them off into judgment with a promise, I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. I need you to know tonight, I need every one of you to know that are here and all of you that are listening tonight that uh, you may have experienced real wounds in your life, but I want to repeat the promise that God has made in lots of occasions here, and I'm giving you just a few, that He is the God who heals all of our wounds. All of them. And there's a way that He heals. Now our job in life is uh, pretty clear in relation to scripture is to follow peace with all men. We don't follow strife. We don't pursue war. We don't uh, antagonize on purpose, right? We're never told to cause a stir. And we're never told to hate somebody. We're told as much as is possible and as much as lies within you, with everything you have, try with all your might to live peaceably with all men and live in a, in a way that Uh, reflects the character and and the grace of God and the holiness of God, without which no man shall see the Lord. He also said in Psalm 34, depart from evil and do good and seek peace and pursue it. Romans 14, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. That's a good thing. Things we're with, one may edify one another. And the word edify is is this. I always remember somebody explaining it this way. Edification is adding one good thing on top of another good thing on top of another good thing on top of another good thing. So when we edify, when we do anything that's edifying, when we participate in anything that's edifying, we're building up. We're not tearing down. So this is this is a mandate for all of us. This is a commission for all of us, and and in our in our daily life and as Christians, those are the things we should seek and pursue, just like Jesus said on on the, on the Mount of Beatitudes that we should seek first the kingdom of heaven, and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. you had to make sure that your priority is always right. You had to make sure that that is uh, focused and it's centered and correct. In Ephesians chapter 3, as I mentioned, I think on Sunday or one of the last services that Paul prayed that uh, that in in the midst of all of the, um, all of the pressures that the early church faced, and I don't think that we really have uh, a great description in scripture, we have it in history, uh, even so Josephus and other people wrote about all the things that people in the early church went through. And they went through persecution because the early church was really not a church until they became established as a church. Uh, you have to understand that when they began, everyone was against them. Uh, the people who didn't like Jesus were against them. The Jews were against them, right? The people of the communities didn't really understand who these people were. And here they are moving in and they have a message and they're aggressive with it and they're enthusiastic about it and they're trying to change the order of everything. And so they came under a lot of pressure. They had magistrates who put them in the the jail and had people outside the jail who wanted to lynch them and hang them. They had some of their own flock who actually did die, die violently in the early church. Now, you remember what Paul's strategy was in dealing with the church. He did not say that you should become, really, folks, you should become, for your own preservation, a Christian militia. He didn't do that. Neither did he say hoard things because there's going to come a time of famine or build up your wealth so that you would have resources to be able to bribe officials. He didn't say any of that. He didn't give anybody strategy except he prayed that in verse 17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Or Sorry, verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Because when the inner man is strong, there's a lot of things that we can face. When the inner man is sound, when the inner man is fed and fertilized, when the inner man is exercised, then we can face a lot of things. There's a lot of things that we can go through. There's a lot of things that we can endure when the inner man is strong. I will say this, that I believe that a broken body can be sustained by a strong spirit you ever seen people that got racked up in an accident and they're in hospital and every part of their body is affected by that, but they pull through it. When nobody thought they would make it, they pull through it. A lot of it has to do with their spirit and their willingness to live and their determination to press on. And I'm not done yet. You know, you hear them say that. And, uh, you know, even when other people around them may say, hey, you know, listen, it's okay to die. it's okay. And they don't because there's something strong about their spirit. But I will tell you, a strong body can hardly sustain a broken spirit. No matter how rich you are, no matter how strong you are, no matter how physically fit you are, it's a difficult thing for even the best of us to sustain uh, a, a broken spirit because that's where the devil can really attack. So Paul's strategy in all of this was to strength, pray that God would uh, strengthen the believer in the inner man. Because you know what? Um, a lot of things can happen to our body and we can survive that. Brother Branham makes a statement. He said that people write me letters all the time. You can, I mean, I get letters all the time. I get, I get questions and, and so forth, and I, um, it's, it's very surprising sometimes. And, and in your, you know, I mean, there's just lots of, lots of things out there that you encounter when, you, when you're in ministry and, uh, you know, things are broadcast and so forth. You can imagine how many letters Brother Branham must have got. Uh, because his teaching was so unique, his ministry was so unique. Lots of people wanted things from Brother Branham. And uh, I, I have one of those letters that uh, my mother-in-law wrote to Brother Branham, and uh, she had a particular question for him, and Brother Branham took the envelope, flipped it over, and uh, wrote, on, wrote the answer on the back of the envelope, and then put it back in the post office and send it back to her, and uh, we, we have the answer to the question. And so Brother Branham had lots of letters. But I, I thought this was interesting. He said people's wrote letters and said, well, what about this and what about that? See your pastor on little things, he said, because after all, he's your shepherd. And he's the one that God sent to watch over you. And we might disagree upon it. We, meaning me and your pastor, we may disagree on it. And he said, and that caused a confusion in your church. We don't want that. i would pause and say this. That I often, when I used to travel more, uh, especially stateside, you know, people would pull you aside and say, hey, listen, Brother Barry, i got a question for you. And, uh, you know, I was uh, married, you know, 35 years ago and blah, 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 and they start in with a question here and they'll, they'll ask the question maybe about marriage or divorce or something else. I learned quickly in the game. I learned quickly in the game. The very best thing for me to do is to say, well, thank you for giving me your question here, but what does your pastor say about this? Because your pastor probably knows a whole lot more about you and this situation than I do. And I'm probably going to side with the pastor in this. And uh, that usually causes people not to ask any too many more questions like that. But he says we might disagree and not cause a confusion in your church. And we don't want that. Because our goal is not to cause confusion anywhere, right? Or Isn't our goal shalom in the, in the home? Shalom in the church? Shalom between your two ears? Shalom in the heart. Right? And, and you can, you can see how Satan will jump on certain situations and cause confusion, and you don't want that. Not only in letters to Brother Branham here, but in lots of other ways, whatever, whatever door Satan can get in, whatever avenue he can get in, he will, because he would like to cause confusion in the church. No, he says, we just want you Quit doing things that's sinful, things out of the Bible, just keep moving on towards God. How many would believe that's good advice? Quit doing things that are outside of the Bible. If you're doing makeup, that's outside of the Bible, right? If you're doing smoking or Mitchell over here with tattoos, that's outside of the Bible. I can show you that. I'm only kidding. We won't let that stick, pardon the pun. But the only way you're going to not do things outside the Bible is if you're taught the Bible. That's why we come on Wednesday night, right? That's why everyone has their Bible. Just keep moving on towards God. Be, be passionate towards the things of God. And if you cause little frictions and things like that, that upsets the and if you And if you cause little frictions and things like that, that upsets the church. Once you upset the church now, Brother Branham said that, you know, like the Holy Spirit can be grieved away from that. Well, the good things are not going to happen that are supposed to happen among believers whenever you have this in the church. So you can see the domino effect, you know, when something gets going. So I'd rather your pastor tell you about marriage and divorce and those things. He's God's servant, too. He's equipped to do that. In other words, there isn't just one uh, servant of God. Uh, there's many servants of God. There's a fivefold ministry, and Brother rand was one of them, obviously, one we deal with great respect. But he said, you know, God's got servants. Or, in other words, what happens if something happens to me? If you folks treat me like your absolute, what happens if I die? And he's wise in telling us, hey, uh, don't look to me like an absolute. I'm not your absolute. God will always have an answer and a channel for you to get an answer, no matter how long this thing goes on. And remember the good Samaritan that found the man wounded and he brought him to the inn. He said, that's the church. Huh. All right, you're thinking, you're making this up. All right, here it is in the Bible. Jesus answering, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, you read this now with the filter there saying that this is the church. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw me he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, he came and looked at him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds and pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out his credit card, swiped it, gave it to the host, and said, Take care of him, and whatever thou spendest more, just charge it to this. Or when I come I will repay. He made he made assurances that this man was going to be looked after. Which now of these which now of these three thinkest thou uh, was thy neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showeth mercy. And he said, Go and do thou likewise. Let's go back to the statement here. Remember the good Samaritan that found the man wounded. He brought him to the inn, and that's the church. And he gave him the man. In other words, there's a place of rest. There's a place of healing. There's a place where you can pour in the wine and the oil. There's a place where your needs are taken care of. Right? Wasn't this man's needs taken care of? Without money, without price. This is the way the church should be. This is the this is what why we exist here. So when there's a need and there's something that's going on, or somebody has a financial uh, catastrophe, or uh, which we have, we have all the time. Or if we have a uh, you know uh, someone is, is uh, hurt or somebody is uh, needy, somebody in family like David's family here, uh, you know has a need, and uh, you know hey, it's the least thing we could do is rally in because we love brother David and we love his family and you know whatever we can do. Whatever we can do. You know, the, the family that, uh, the, the gentleman that uh, Jeff Jackson knew, you remember he was helping his neighbor. His neighbor had cancer over in shinglehalla over there. And he had cancer, so Jeff or Jeff's friend, Mark, was his name. He was over helping him with his tractor and had something that was inflammable. And it blew up, and he was burned, and, uh, especially on his hands and, and uh, arms and so forth, which is a terrible thing anyway. But, uh, you know... I, I told Jeff, I said, you go to him and you make sure that he knows that if there's, or, or go to his wife because he, they flew him down to uh, another hospital down to uh, Georgia. And I, I said, you know, you make sure that his wife knows that if there's anything that we can do, like financial or if they need pizzas delivered or whatever else, uh, we, we'll do that. Because that's what families do. That's what, that's what churches should do. I, 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 I commend—I uh, don't want to mention names here—but there's some of you that are diligent, and I so appreciate that. And I, I don't even—I don't ask for it, and I don't require it. Uh, rarely even talk about it. But when, I know with some of you, when there's somebody that's sick, or somebody is going through a need, I find out later, oh, this brother, this family brought over some chicken soup, and this family did this for me, and, and uh, that to me, that's that's a, a proof that the Holy Spirit's working among you. That's the way it should be. We have the Holy Spirit who leads us to an end, a place where our needs can be met. We can we can find rest, and we can have needs met, and we can have somebody who's watching over me. And, you know, you have the sense that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in a broken state. I'm in a wounded state here. And that's what this man was. But nobody's going to belittle him because he is in a wounded state. Nobody's going to hurt him further just because he went through what he did. Now you're okay. You're in the inn. And you know what? Your bill is paid. Don't worry about it. Just rest, relax, and come back to a place of strength here, and, and then we can move on from there. Doesn't it make sense that that's the way a church should be? He's got two pence. He's able to doctor you up if he's a man of God. And if he's a man of God that stands on the Word of God, he's got what God's given him, the Spirit and the Word. So more importantly for me than to be able to help you out in some way, or uh, you know, to be able to come and mow your grass for you, I'd be glad to do it anytime. I always remember Brother Jeremy, and it was a season there, and I was talking about things that we we were were piled up at my house, and he always offered, you know, hey, just let me know, come and mow the grass, come and do whatever we need to do, and I, I just so appreciated that. But I will tell you this: that when it comes to giving, the most important thing that Uh, we can give anybody when they come here, especially the wounded, especially the downtrodden, especially the folks that are hurting, the best thing we can do is give them the Spirit and the Word. Pour in the oil and the wine. And you know what? All of you are involved in that because it's not just the, not just me. I have a a, a large part in that, the vocal part in that. But, uh, we, we are, we exist. We exist to help the wounded because that's the Spirit of Christ. Now, Brother Branham refers to this parable a couple of times, and I just want to just belabor the point just a little. Jesus found a man one time in a parable. It was on his road from Jerusalem, and he said he was going to Jericho. It showed that he was backsliding. Jericho is one of the lowest points on the earth, and he said it showed he was backsliding. He was going from high going low. The normal tendency when people are backsliding and going lower is that we kick them out, or we push them out or we deal with them at arm's length. Now, there are some times when you can reach out to people and they'll back off and they'll go a little lower as they back off and you you sometimes have done all that you can do. But uh, I I think there's a, a right way to deal with people who are struggling and to do all we possibly can to throw a rescue line to them. And he he met him on the road, and and an enemy had beaten him and robbed him and left him half dead, and he was physically alive and spiritually dead. And the priests and the Levites passed by, but the good Samaritan picked him up and poured oil, took him to the inn. Now there's the place I want to get to you. He took him to the inn and said to the caretaker, take care of him. And if he needs any more, he said, just go ahead and, and take care of him. I'll make it right when I come home. Now you shepherds. God give you the Spirit and the Word to take care of those wounded ones that's been brought in. So in our house, we have something to give. In the house of God, we have something to give to the wounded and the the hurting. And if you need any more, he'll take care of that when he comes. So just feed the sheep. So that's my motive, in a sense, of, of dealing with this particular subject. Now, I've referred to this scripture, Proverbs 18, over here. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. But a wounded spirit, who can bear? The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. Like I said before, that you can have a person with a broken body, but they have a strong spirit and a will to live. They'll push through that. They'll work through that. There was a Welsh preacher a couple of hundred years ago who, as a boy, 14 years old, was unconverted, and uh, he was sitting by the side of his grandmother with everybody else because Grandma was dying. And uh, she had been a Christian all of her life, but now she was fading out. And uh, she was, she was on, the, on, the, on the side of the bed. or Sorry, she was on the bed, and her eyes were closed and so forth, and everybody standing around saying, Poor Grandma. Poor Grandma. Poor Grandma. Grandma opened her eyes finally and said, Who said? that I was poor. She said, I am rich. And she said, I am leaving here to meet the king of kings and the lord of lords, bold as a lion, closed her eyes, and died. Naturally, that affected that 14-year-old boy. (laughs) He wouldn't forget that for a while. Let me tell you something. People with a strong spirit can deal with a lot of things If if their inner man is strong. If their uh, if their inner man is sound and well-fed, well-exercised, they can handle a lot of things. But a wounded spirit, that's a tough thing. And you know what? Sometimes it's a complex thing because it usually is not just you. There's other people involved. It's interesting. Uh, well, let's let's hold on. The other thing, the other phrase that we find in Scripture is in Psalm 51 where... David talks about a broken spirit. Now, there's a difference here, and I want to highlight the difference for you. And I don't have these scriptures here, but uh, you can just make note of these here. When somebody has a wounded spirit, they usually uh, hurt internally or inside, or we could say it this way, they live in inner misery. Many times somebody who has a wounded spirit lives in inner misery because they rarely get excited about anything or get happy about anything. And out of that focus on the misery, there come certain attributes or certain qualities, if you like. And that is that uh, there's, there's really not anything that you can say that comes out positive to them. It, it's almost like they're looking at life through a set of glasses that are pink. Everything looks pink. And when people are bitter or people have uh, a wounded spirit, Everything they look at somehow is filtered through that event or that hurt that they have in life, and everything seems to be tainted by that. It is also true that when somebody has a wounded spirit, that very often they can feel like a victim and develop what we refer to as a victim mentality. Poor me. And there are times when people have uh, you know, in a sense they have a justification to realize that they have been uh, hurt intentionally by somebody or something that's taken place. But to dwell on that and to live on that and to have it still repeated 10 years after it happened, uh, we've reinforced a victim mentality that is certainly not healthy. Because the idea is, is that, my goodness, if everybody would get their act right and if everybody would repent, I'd be all right, I'd be happy. After all, it isn't my fault anymore, it's yours. It's yours. It's everybody else's. And even if people get upset and move on to another church and move on to another church and move on to another church and pfft, lo and behold, they wind up with still with the same pink glasses everywhere they went. But with a victim mindset, you begin to think everybody else has got to change and not me. We call this projection. The projectors that are here, we, we used to have projectors in the old days. Like corded phones, we had a, we had projectors that project an image on the wall, and what we saw was over here, but the projector was over here, and the idea of projecting something is that we 're going to throw this thing we 're all about none of you were sitting here looking at the projector to follow the service because the projector was throwing the image somewhere else, right <clears throat> when a person feels like. They don't want to deal with the problem at hand. They'll project it onto someone else. And they'll say, well, that church, nothing ever happens in that church. And they'll project the problem onto somebody else or something else because they don't want to deal with it themselves. So the pastor is the problem or the people are the problem or that family is the problem or something else. And then we all wind up looking at the image instead of what's throwing that image in the first place. It's a a diversion tactic. Are you following me? It's something that diverts everybody from the real issue. The real issue is not that. The real issue is where that's coming from. Now, everybody doesn't need to figure that out, and everybody doesn't need to go get a degree in psychology. Uh, I'm just telling you that human nature says that when a, a, a wounded spirit exists, it is a tough thing for the person who has it, and very often it can be a tough thing for the person around them. A broken spirit is a different thing. A broken spirit is something that God actually delights in, and he will not despise. A wounded spirit is actually something that, um, you know, makes a person difficult to live with. A broken spirit actually makes somebody a joy to be around. Because a broken spirit very often humbles somebody. The word broken means, in the Hebrew, it means wrecked, shattered, and even crippled. Wrecked shattered, and even crippled. It means that a person has come to the place where they've acknowledged their wrong. David had a broken spirit. You remember when Nathan came to him and he realized, he owned his problem and he realized that this problem is not anybody else's. He knew that he had caused that problem and he owned it. And so therefore, he re- began to repent of that. And there was a spirit that produces genuine sorrow that was at work at David. and that's a. Let me tell you, that's a healthy thing. And I will guarantee you whenever you see that, you'll often see a spirit of humility follow that person because many times people who get caught up in a sin of some kind never believe they could get caught up in a sin. They didn't think they were capable of that. They didn't think that they would lose control of that thing. They never thought that it would control them instead of them controlling it, Right? And so they feel like, well, I'll always be able to maintain control of this. And uh, all of a sudden it spins out of control. And, and now they're faced with it and they have to deal with it. And when a person realizes, you know what, this is something that I've done wrong or some offense that I've caused or maybe I've you know, brought shame or reproach, you'll find a spirit of real humility when they have a broken spirit. There's a tenderness that goes with that. There's a, a gentleness that people have that they will deal with others in a different way. And I think that's, that's a good thing. And we could talk more about that, but I think you get the idea. I read one time a story about a missionaries who, uh, when the gospel came to this village first time, it was in South America, and the, and the, the, the people uh, had this kind of a Nineveh experience where they all repented and they all, uh, you know, they, they all realized that they were sinners before God and so forth. And God began to do good things among them. They would greet one another and say, "Did I meet you broken, brother? Do I meet you broken, brother?" Do I meet you broken? When I see you today, are you broken? Because broken is a good thing. And that's the way they greeted one another. Maybe you can go home and think about that. Now, <clears throat> the inner life is a, kind of a, a complex thing. And this wounded spirit here uh, very often is spawned by some offense. I, I often explain it this way that I, I do, I try when I can. I try to do woodworking. And if you're not careful, and you can, al- you can never always be careful enough, you get a splinter. And I work pretty hard at you know, getting a splinter out if I, uh, if I have one, because by experience, I know that if I ignore it, um, it's going to be okay for a day or two, especially if you're dealing with treated lumber. And then you know, a couple of days later, you start to realize everything you touch, everything you touch now feels different, right? And now we got to get in there and do something major, right? And you know what it's like when your kids get a splinter in there that's buried and they didn't want to tell you about it. And now you gotta, you got to deal with it. <laughs> I, had, I had a couple of shots in my hand. And uh, this PA who gave it to me, now she's a good person. I, I don't want to taint your feeling if you ever need a shot in your hand. But she's, she assured me, she said, this won't hurt. <laughs> this this ain't going to hurt. We're going to do two here and we're going to do two here. I said, okay. I'd never had this before. I'd always heard that uh, this is probably not a pleasant thing, but I'd never had it before. So I was kind of reluctant and she kept saying to me, relax, relax, because my hands are tight as a drum. And anyway, um, it, it was so incredibly painful that uh, the first one, I started to get sweaty, and I realized, whoa, this is, I got a fairly high threshold of pain, and uh, I, this, this was really causing me to sweat, and I, I mean, I was, I was starting to get swimmy-headed a little bit, and, and because uh, she just kind of kept going down, 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 a couple of feet down into my finger there. And, and then, you know, it, leaving it in there, leaving it in there a little at a time, a little at a time, a little at a time. So I kept saying to my heart, hurry up. And Anyway, so she, anyway, she worked through that. I took a break, took a breather. Second one came and she said, you did real good. Second one now should be no problem. So she come along, and did the second one. It won't hurt at all, and it became so. It was double the pain. It was so painful at one point that she hit a nerve, uh, hit something in there, and I jerked it back. jerked my hand, and the needle went flying. And and uh, I said, "You you must have hit a nerve." She said, "There's no nerves there." I said, "Well, there's something there you hit." <laughs> and uh, I was starting to re- I was starting to see yellow. You know when things are floating around, and I she said, "How are you doing? You're not looking real good." And I said, "I ain't doing real good," and I, I just kind of slumped back in the chair. And she said, "Let me help you." She literally, she's a, a big woman. She literally picked me up, and and guided me to the table where where she put me on the table, raised my feet, and uh, uh, got me revived back again. You know, I mean, she was you know pumping on me, working on me there, and I said. I said, we're not going to do the other, no, we're not going to do the other two, we're not at all. But she said, I will tell you this, that if you do pass out, she said, in, in our experience when you pass out, that makes it a lot easier for us because we can go ahead and inject all we want and put everything anywhere and nobody objects and no more idiots like you that are crying. And so, huh, I went back second time. Because I had... I mean, this was, this was really rough in my right hand. And I was dropping everything. And, and uh, so I went back a second time. And I, I said to the people out front, I said, Listen, I can't go through that again. I just can't. Mentally, I can't go through that again. So I'll let this new doctor... They said, We got a new doctor for you. This is a doctor. He's a specialist. His whole practice is just from the elbow down. That's all he does. And he's really good. I said, Yeah, right. And they said, Yep, give it a shot. Uh, pardon the pun. And... <laughs> I said I'm not. I don't want to get a shot. I said I'll let them look at it. We can X-ray it. We do whatever we want. But you know, I said we just. I just can't do it. I said mentally, I just can't do it. And they said no problem. Just talk to the doc. So the doc did, and he, you know, he went through this whole thing. Well, listen, the first line of treatment here is a shot. You know, that's. The, I said, look. I told him out front. I'll tell you right here. And I, you know, I just don't want to do a shot. He said, listen, my mother does these shots all the time. And she comes in every six months or so and gets a shot. And I said, well, look, why don't you save mine, give it to mom next time when she comes in. I'll pay for it even, and your mom can have it, you know. And he said, uh, you know, anyway, we went back and forth and back and forth, and he said, it's not going to hurt. I said, that's what the last lady said, and you can go out and bring her in. And that's exactly what she said. And he said, well, he said, you're making me feel a little bit like a dentist. I said, because you are. You people that put needles in my hand, and, uh, which is a pretty bad. Comment to make. So anyway, lo and behold, he talked me into it. <laughs> and I did it again. And I said, let me, let me just describe what happened the last time she did shot number two. And I said, that, that was not intentional. That just happened. That was just self-defense. I thought I was going to die. And that's the only way I thought I could live was to, was to put, jerk my hand out. He said, I promise you that it won't happen again. I said, I look at him, I said, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. And he said, guarantee you. And he did. And I will have to admit, he was much better than the first lady. I didn't jerk my hand away. And, and uh, you know, uh, got it done. Kind of a poor climax for that whole story. But I will say this that when when something uh, when an offense comes when a splinter comes when something little and it can be really little, but when it gets in the wrong place where it's not supposed to be, and it lingers and festers there, nothing good comes out of that it it just gets it just gets worse and worse because you've got something that doesn't belong in a place that's trying to respond to it and a, a wounded spirit is the result of something that's there that's not supposed to be there. And our perception of that thing, our, our response to that thing is really what makes the difference. It, it, it really is the thing that, that matters. Because, you know, there are some people who can deflect everything, it seems like. They're offended by nothing. And that's just the way some people are. I will, I'll tell you this, that men respond differently than women. If there's a, a critical incident or a tense incident, women will retell that story differently than men will, because we men tend to handle that a little bit differently. But when there is that, when there is that kind of a hurt there, if that hurt is not tended to, it can cause a root of bitterness, and can make life pretty difficult. Now I will tell you this: that, and this is a kind of a, an odd thing, but. <coughs> There are, there's, there's physical reactions even to these things that happen. You know, something something that is said or some stress that we go under. And I, I realize I'm not going to complete what we need to complete here tonight. So just bear with me now as we just put a couple of these pieces in here. When Jesus was on the earth here and Brother Branham said he was walking and he said the priests screamed at him, made fun of him, and they cried, Hosanna. Some people were crying Hosanna and some other people were critical of him. He said notice the whole burden of all the world it rested on him. Calvary, Gethsemane laid before him and as he went he noticed their scoffing. Here he is dying for their sins their sinfulness and they're making fun of him. There are sometimes things happen that we don't have answers for. Right? They don't make sense. This should not this should not be happening because what Jesus was doing was the ultimate good for mankind. And here is mankind, some of them, they're scoffing at him and ridiculing him and criticizing him right, right while he's coming into Jerusalem. And he says, you know, when someone says something evil about you and you, don't want to take, you want to take it up and get angry about it, that shows you haven't quite gone deep enough yet with God. Wow. Wow. When somebody says something evil about you and you want to take it up and get angry about it, that shows that you haven't went quite deep enough yet with God. Big men don't do those things. And that's what made him God to me. He didn't have to notice their little scoffing. He had a work to do and that was to fulfill what God sent him to do. And he was determined to do it. He didn't care what anyone said. So when you feel like, well, hey, I'm just going to give him a piece of my mind, a lot of times it's probably better you kept that piece of your mind because it's not going to help. Now watch a couple of things Brother Random said, things that don't make sense. And and really what I'm saying, what I'm, Bringing to you here just for another couple of minutes here is just these are causes for why we would have a wounded spirit. I came in the other day in the cold from the cold. He said, We lived in a two room house, my wife and I. This is uh, 1963, Brother Ram's recollecting. And he says, My wife was there, and I said, Where's the baby? And she said, Asleep in the other room. And so I went into the little crib, and I'll never forget. I woke her up, those big blue eyes looked at me, and she was scared of me that hurt me. And the reason that she's scared of Brother Branham is because he's gone so much in ministry. And what he expected was not what happened. And he said, that hurt me. And I will tell you something. it's You may, I mean, it's easy to understand the words that are said, but it's a little bit of a different thing to actually be in ministry and to respond to the obligation, the calling of God, and then other things happen while you're responding to the call of God and other things happen in your home. And that's that's another story. But let me just finish what he said. He said, Mother picked her up and handed her over to me, and she, she said, he said, That's Daddy. And she got back, didn't look like her daddy. So, friends, I, I was preaching the gospel. I was doing the best that I knew how. As I'm doing tonight, some glorious day, it'll be different over on the other side when we all get home. And I broke down. And he said, I was staying day and night in the platform, stayed one time nearly four days, day and night, without even leaving the platform, praying the sick, praying for the sick. And there were more people at the end of the meeting, many times more than when we started. Just no end to it, praying for the sick. Was Brother Brand doing something evil? Was he doing something that was inappropriate? No, he's responding to the call of God, right? And now, when he comes home and he expects a certain thing, this baby reacts in that way. And you know, Brother Brand, he's hey, he's a human being, right? Now, I know if I showed you another screen here and it was blank, any one of you could, most any one of you could come and fill in your story here. But I'm just taking a couple of his incidents here. Because sometimes there are life issues that happen. Brother Bram said, one thing that's always hurt me through my life was a nervous condition. And he said, I get so worn and I get real weary. Now, let me ask you a question. Where was... You say, it's all in your head, Brother Rand? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But he's feeling it physically. Right? He's got... He said, it's a nervous condition. And I get so warm and I get worn and I get feel so weary and I feel like nobody cares. He said, you have it too. And I just happen to have a real overdose of it. And it gets real bad sometimes. It's tensions, what does it? And I get to a spot many times, especially with so many of these visions. He said, it just gets me. He's an Aries male, right? All right. And you just don't realize what a price goes with that. And you get to thinking, well, and you get off your uh, your side and say, well, what have I done here? I'm 50 years old. He doesn't feel like he's accomplished anything for God. This is 1963. This is August of 1963. Folks, this is August of 1963. This is after the seals. This is after all that he went through in the first pull, the second pull, and he's into the third pull, and he's into August 1963. And Brother Branham is saying that to himself. This has affected him so much that he feels like he hasn't done anything really for the kingdom of God. Brother Branham also tells a story, and I, I'm, not, I'm not seeing it here, where Brother Branham tells a story about the young girl who was in the uh, insane institution. And when Brother Branham went in and looked at her, and he thought, wow, is this the patient? Are, are you the patient? She said, yes, I am. And you remember, I've told you the story, and I've quoted it a couple of times here to you, where Brother Branham said, you know, she was a really nice girl, and she was going with a boy, and the boy rejected her. The boy ran off. And, re- and, and rejection in love, sometimes that can cause a, a person to be really wounded because they feel like, wow, this, this feels so right, this feels so good this This boy, this girl, seems like an answer to prayer, and we in a sense are kind of invest in that. we lean towards that and think, "Wow, this is a great answer this is this is really wonderful, and all of a sudden that person's gone and don't think you're above it don't think any one of us are above it because if you've ever gone through that, you know the feelings are very real that a person has, and sometimes they can without without handling it right without responding to that right, it, it can linger and it can become something that, that is an unhealthy thing because we can wind up not trusting. We can wind up you know, having certain uh, feelings about men. We can wind up having certain feelings about relationships and so forth. And so th- this, that's why this subject is a little bit touchy and it's a little bit interesting. But I want to come back to this scripture here in Psalm 147. David said, Praise you, the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant, and praises comely. Praise is an attractive thing. Praise is a good thing. And the Lord doth build up Jerusalem, and he gathereth together, together the outcasts of Israel, and he healeth the broken in heart, and he bindeth up their wounds, and he telleth the number of the stars, and he calleth them all by name. And great is our God, and of great power, and his understanding is infinite. I will assure you that there's nothing that has happened to you, whether I've come close to describing it here tonight or not, there's nothing that's happened to you that uh, has taken God by surprise. Very often it takes us by surprise, but it doesn't take God by surprise. God doesn't delight in anybody's suffering, but I will tell you this, that God seems to be always putting us through the school of right responses. He wants us to respond right. He wants us to respond well, no matter what situation that we find ourselves in. It takes a long time for the gospel to so change us and so saturate us that uh, you know, we respond to every situation in the right way. But I believe this. A believer wants to respond in the right way. A believer wants to be able to handle the things that come our way and handle them in a way that uh, allows us to keep moving forward and still brings honor to God. And people will look at you sometimes and say, Wow, you didn't react. You didn't call your attorney. And you didn't react this way. You didn't split the church. And you didn't do this. And, you know, hey, listen, uh, you, you don't realize, I've been in school. I, God has taught me a few things. And whatever decisions and choices we make, we want to m- make them so that they bring honor to God. And you can keep moving forward. Because the devil is all about trying to stop your forward progress and your spiritual growth. He's all about that, trying to stop that. And And... In turn, he can take that from an individual situation and make it a church situation or make it a family situation or make it a, a, you know, a, a work situation on your, on your job. He can, he can do, Satan will do that because he loves the opposite of what God loves. God loves peace. God loves uh, you know, unity among people. God loves all of that. And Satan will do whatever he can to create the opposite effect. And very often it starts with a wound. Not a decapitation, but a wound. Not a severing, but a wound. Just a wound. And we want to learn how to respond to it right. But believe this when you go home tonight. That God is our God that we serve. Our God who is the same, whether it's David's age or our age, he healeth the broken in heart and he bindeth up their wounds. If you present that wound right, if you bring it to the right place, and I will tell you the answer, where we bring it is the tree of life. The tree of life is mentioned in only three places in all of the Bible. In the Garden of Eden, right? Out in the book of Revelation, where it says, Blessed are all those who have right to the tree of life, right? The only other place is in the text that we read out of Proverbs at the beginning of our service here. Where Solomon said, Hope deferred, maketh the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, it's a tree of life. This is the only other place... This is the only other place where the tree of life is mentioned. And when we know how to take those hurts and the wounds to the base of the tree of life, it's there and then that healing begins. Let's stand to our feet. Let's have our musicians just slip up, if you will. You remember in the Garden of Eden, the thing that Adam and Eve lost after the fall, you remember what God banned them from, was the way to the tree of life. Because the tree of life has the answer for what we need. And when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, God God pronounced the judgment that he did. He, He prevented them, with a flaming sword, he prevented them from coming to the tree of life. I'm telling you tonight, I believe that we as believers, we as the members of the Bride of Christ, we have access to the tree of life. And if that's true, then we can obtain the things that we long for, the things that bring healing to some of the hard things in life. You will never find it in Barnes & Noble. You'll never find it in the counseling materials because many times those things are one-dimensional. They're very, they're very uh, minimal. They'll describe general things. But when the Holy Spirit deals with us, it's not just a general thing. He likes to pinpoint exactly where that splinter is. He knows exactly where to look. He knows exactly where to put those tweezers and get that thing out. Well, you know, once that thing is out, you don't need to really do anything else, right? I mean, once that little splinter is out, it can cause such, such agony. But when you take that little splinter out, hey, I watch my grandkids and my kids, they just walk on. As soon as you get it out, they just walk right on you got to know what to get out. You've got to know where it is. And I will tell you, the Holy Spirit doesn't, uh, he doesn't fool around. He knows exactly where to, to deal with that. That's not a terrifying thing. That's a good thing. That's something that He is good at. And He, and he deals with us in this way because He loves us.
4: Heal me, O oh Lord, and I will. I will be saved.
3: particular subject shalom in the home it's it's really been hard it's really hard because when you sometimes when you get in close to an area that the Holy Spirit really wants to use you know a subject that the Holy Spirit really wants to get to the people the enemy is right here telling me no people are not interested in this they don't want to hear this forget that move on don't waste their time but I will tell you right now, there's such a sweet atmosphere and a sweet presence here, just like it was on Sunday at the end of the service, that you know, I, I believe that uh, God wants you to just take a minute. The Holy Spirit, I believe, would be pleased if we just took a minute here and bowed our heads for a moment here. and Just just take a minute. We'll We'll, we'll leave in a sec, but everybody, just bow your heads for a sec. Put the camera on me, not on anybody else. Shut everybody else out now. And lots of times we talk about the need for healing. But I wonder, is there anybody here tonight who would want to experience a little bit of this kind of healing? Healing of a wound. Healing of a some hurt. A hurt you're bearing. A hurt you have probably dragged around with you a long time. Satan probably told you that, you know, they'll never get healed. Just take a minute before him and believe now with all your heart that he is the God who heals the wounded. And he sees your hand and he knows what it is that you're experiencing. And you can't bury it deep enough for him not to see. He sees it. And he loves you. You don't have to get everything right for him to come on the scene to help you. You just seem to give it to him. You need to lay it at the foot of the tree of life. And learn to leave it there, learn to let it go, and learn to release it. Heavenly Father, as we end our service tonight, and it's it's so good, Lord, for us to be in your presence. And there's certainly something in us that says we don't want to go, we don't want to leave if it could only remain this way, if we could take this with us everywhere we went, how blessed we would be. But we live in a world that's falling apart and many times it feels like it's falling in on us. And there are are things that have happened, Lord, maybe to all of us in one way or another, one level or another, that if we could, if we could, we'd like to leave it here tonight. Just leave it at the foot of the tree of life and just leave it with you, Lord. And we invite you to come and to heal that thing. And I'm praying, Lord, specifically for the, those that had their hand raised. And, and probably someone tonight really just needed to hear that you're a God who heals the wounded. You're a God who cares about the wounded. You're not afraid to go the extra mile on behalf of the wounded. Even when the wounded mess up, even when the wounded are not perfect, and even when the wounded have got all kinds of issues maybe, but Lord, you're still the God who steps forth, and you're one that is able to show your power and your healing virtue. You care about what goes on in our head and our heart just as much as you care what goes on in our body. We might be sitting here with our soul secure, but our spirit's troubled. I'm praying you would pour oil on those troubled waters and bring healing where it's needed. We thank you, Lord. We thank you because you care for us. Bless this assembly, Lord, I pray. Father, may we always, may we always look to you. May we always be close to the tree of life where we can reach out and we can know, Lord, that you're there. You're not a million miles away, but you're right there. We ask these things in Jesus' name because we believe, Lord, that they are they are things we should ask. We should cast our cares upon you. And I know there are people that are listening, Lord, online who, some, Lord, have kind of learned to live with this wound. They've learned along over many years that Satan just never seems to let us forget. I'd like to take up that challenge I'd like to wage war against that Lord with your help I'd like to be able to say things in such a way that the Holy Spirit is released over these people that they can be blessed and healed and they don't have to drag these things around with them forever grant it Lord I pray in Jesus name bless those that are sick Lord we think of Josh and Kristen and many others that are on these lists lord that need your help sister tracy and how lord she would love to be here and i know she's listening tonight and i pray that you would just move all those bones back in place and and lord just allow her to have a complete victory over this thing may she have no lingering fear or doubt or anything lord but that you're caring for have your way, Lord, I pray. Protect and watch over the people of balance of this week until we meet again. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Jesus. Something about proclaiming.
4: Shop. Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain, He's my Jesus. Something about that name. Sing it as you go now. Yes, he's Jesus. Jesus.